Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
Uh, but if you want to figure out where to get us, you can get us there. Or you can catch us on all pod, uh, podcast platforms, iTunes and others. Uh, if you want, if you like to listen to us, you want to listen to us while you're driving and everything else. This is the big show, y'all, and we're ready to, to roll uh, here, uh, uh, getting started here, um, uh, trying to get the thing going, get the game going here. Um, and uh, we're going to start out a little bit. i got to bring my man in. I've been waiting to, to hear his voice on these airwaves. Uh, what's up, my man, Phil? Hey, D, it's, it's good to be back, man. We're getting the band back together. I was trying to figure out the last time the three of us have had a show. It, it's got to be the better part of a year. It might be. It might be. You know, uh, we, we've been – I don't know. It might have been this time last year, maybe. You know, uh, you know, we all been doing some stuff. You know, we all kind of at these different points in our lives trying to finish a couple things, and we want to give everybody time to breathe. So it, it, it's good. You, you've been through a lot. You know, you, you've been through – I don't know if we even – did we talk uh, when – when LeBron left, that might have been the last time we talked. When LeBron left uh, Cleveland for uh, for L.A., maybe you know you you are Cleveland inside. That might have been the last time we had a conversation. D, you bringing up some old wounds, man. Yeah, the last time I was on the show, the listeners had a very sad experience. We're probably listening to me. I was I was really down. Kyrie had just left. Um. Actually, Kyrie was gone, but I was still hoping he'd come back for some reason. Um, he would just leave the Boston bench and go to the Cleveland bench. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that was a tough summer. That was a real tough summer last year, but things are really looking up in a lot of different ways in the LeBron world. Yeah, up in the LeBron world and, 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 and you know, you also in the Cleveland world, you got, you got you know, you, know, you and I, you're a Michigan fan. And you, you got John uh, uh, Beeline over there heading up the helm uh, over over there in Cleveland uh, a little bit, trying to bring a fresh look there. You know, uh, Tyron Lue moved on. But uh, you got Beeline over there. You got some young guys they're trying to bring in there, trying to revive things in Cleveland. You know, it's not, it can't be LeBron stuff, but it seems like they, they got a plan together over there. Is that what you're hearing on the street? What you trying to do to me, Devon? You said I'm in Cleveland and I'm a Michigan fan. I'm trying fan. to get your hope, bro. I mean, I'm trying to get you know. Hope. I never really put that out there to the listeners, okay? So all my Ohio folks listening, like, what? Michigan, a uh, Phil's a Michigan fan? Uh, all oh. these years, man, I was trying to cover that up. <laughs> oh, oh, my fault, my fault, my fault. I, 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 I thought, I thought, I thought you had put it out there. I thought you had let them know by now. I thought you had let them know by now that you that you uh, rock with the with the amazing blue. Uh, you just wearing your socks. You just wearing amazing blue socks down there. You didn't want them looking at ankles. That's what that's what they're doing. Well, they, they look like exactly. they got a little plan there, we, and, and, you know. And, and we got Juwan Howard back in Ann Arbor, and so you know, uh, you know, both camps. Hopefully, something's gonna happen a little bit positive over there uh, to get us going. Uh, we, we 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 gonna get that moving. And I think we got my man uh, back there playing the other person here, the third man in the booth over here. Oh, he's trying, he trying to bring something out in here. Uh oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. What's Cocaine. up, man? This is Marcus Game Changer. What's up, man? Hey, man. What's up, man? How y'all doing? Oh, man, I feel like it's Christmas, man. We got three Getting of the band back, back the together, like Elroy, like like being the band back together. I don't know. I don't know who I am, but I, I'm I'm in the group somewhere. Yeah, we we definitely we definitely back together, man. <laughs> it's, a good, <laughs> it's a very good thing. Good to, good to be able to chat with y'all brothers tonight, man. 
Well, hey man, we we go we you know I got to move to the corner and let you just take it all over, brother. You know that's how we got to do it. You know you like the lead singer. I'm just over here trying to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Last time we were in the air, we used to call Marcus CP3. I, I don't know if we can still call him CP3 at this point. We may have to call him Dame Limit or somebody. <laughs> CP3 is a bit over the hill. <laughs> a bit over the hill and a bit ornery. <laughs> Cat can't get along with nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody, man. Angry little person over there. Man. Well, let's get, let's go ahead and get into it, man. It's NBA free agency. Um, it's it's going down. I mean, it was like you know two hours, man. I don't know about these tampering rules, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but man. Hey, everybody was ready to go, man. It was about 4.30, man. People were already making announcements and everything. So um, let's just kind of start where everything all started, man. Uh, KD, Kyrie, going to Brooklyn. What are your thoughts? PhD. I was shocked. You know, we have been hearing Kyrie was going to land in Brooklyn. But KD, I I was kind of leaning towards him staying in and with the Warriors, especially with the injury, but then Iggy, Iggy Dollar come out on the breakfast club, <laughs> putting all that dirt out there. Um, I started to think last week, well, maybe KD's not going to go back to the Warriors. And uh, maybe we can talk about Iggy Dollar later. <laughs> Cat got sent to Siberia. I mean, um, Memphis. <laughs> he got sent to the wall. He got sent right. to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Game of Thrones reference for those who don't know. <laughs> right, including Devon. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah, we can. I mean, we can get it. We can get into the Iguodala situation as well. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll kind of build up to that point. But yeah, I got some intel on that one too, um, just in my research over the last couple of hours um, as we kind of prepare for this. But yeah, Ky- KD and Kyrie, that really um, you kind of saw Kyrie yep. coming. And the Knicks talk had been going on for a long time, for a long time. And, um, you know, you just wonder, like, uh, how much the injury played into KD's decision. Because the Knicks were making moves like they thought something was going to happen. You don't just trade Porzingis for draft picks for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, unless you think you got an inside track on a couple of things coming to fruition. Um, A couple of things average folks might not know. Kyrie's, Kyrie switched agents. He switched to Rock Nation. Rock Nation is run by the twin brother of the CEO of the Nets. (laughs) So, like, that was a dead giveaway right there that something was brewing between Kyrie and the Nets. Um, and let's talk about that and segue in kind of the whole Boston situation. And in the rundown, D, you had a, you had a, a section about Boston and, and did Danny Ainge um, kind of blow his opportunity. Um, I, I, I want to weigh in on that one first, if y'all don't mind. Um, I'm going to call my own number. Um, and I, I'd say yes and no. Um, he struck when he had the opportunity getting Kyrie. Um, he just – it reminds me of an old May song. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Off the Harlem World album. Off the Harlem World album. 
if she got with you and she already had a man, why wouldn't she cheat on you, right? That's kind of the mm-hmm. line, of, line of thinking I'm, I want y'all to follow right now. If Kyrie was difficult in Cleveland playing with LeBron, you know what I mean? Like, what made you think he wasn't going to be difficult in Boston? And, again, I know him and KD are boys, and maybe that's a solid enough friendship where he can kind of keep Ky- Kyrie in line. But Brooklyn, I mean, hey, if if it was like that before, what make you special? <laughs> that's you know what right. I mean? Like, so Danny, Danny got Kyrie, and he didn't know Kyrie was going to flake out. Um, he also couldn't predict the Gordon Hayward injury, which I think impacted a lot with that year that team obviously underachieved. Um, I think in hindsight, Danny, Danny was hoping that having Kyrie there would then lead him to his big fish, which was AD. Um, little did he know that was not the case. Um, and throughout all of this, the thing that I keep getting reminded of is that, man, these are this ain't 2K. All right? And you can't just go trading for people and putting the team together and not considering personalities, chemistry. These are human beings with lives and relationships. And, like, you can't just kind of go about that. And that'll segue later on when we talk about Daryl Morey. So hold that thought in the back of your head. Daryl Morey thinks he's playing 2K. <laughs> but – I just felt like, you know, Boston, they were set up to really take a leap. They're still on a very good trajectory, which is really all you want at this point. They have some young pieces in Tatum and Jalen Brown who still have a lot of room to grow and develop. Bringing in Kemba, um, I think he's the perfect, like, mix of the two-point guards they've had previously. He has the, like, uh, the scoring chops that Isaiah Thomas brought to the table without the quirkiness of Kyrie's, like, weird genius personality quirks that sometimes really talented people can have. So he kind of brings, like, a, a, a good mix, and he got a good hip, which IT didn't have, don't have no more. Um, you know, no, no, no hate or nothing, no shade. <laughs> so, like, Kimba kind of brings the best of those two point guards, and, and, and uh, Stevens has done a really good job when he's had a point guard who can score, but also buys in and can also like be a part of that gritty kind of uh, buys into that gritty kind of work ethic mentality. Um, Kyrie's a genius. He's a basketball genius and geniuses don't always like, they don't have to work that hard. <laughs> and so like when you come at a genius with this like blue collar mentality and his blue collar work ethic, Kyrie kind of like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Picasso. I'm Van Gogh. Like, I need inspiration. I need a muse. I need something to inspire me, you know. And, and he's just just flighty in that way. And you gotta have the right kind of coach to kind of check him from time to time. And Stevens is a little too laissez-faire, where he's just kind of like, y'all gonna figure it out. I'm gonna work. I'm, I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna hold people accountable. But I'm gonna hold people accountable in a way that's, you know, a little bit less confrontational, right? And I think Ky- Kyrie might need a, somebody that's gonna be a little bit more confrontational with him. Um, and I think it was just a bad a bad match to begin with. Kyrie wasn't isn't ready to be a leader. Um, he wasn't ready to lead them dudes at least. Um, and I'm sure you know Terry Rozier wasn't holding his tongue. I'm sure they had some spats in the locker room that didn't end well. You know Terry Rozier from Youngstown, so he don't play that. <laughs> he no, gonna tell you what He gonna tell you what it is and how much it costs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not you need to put it on layaway to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Bills. I think the Boston situation, for me, is kind of where all of this starts. And when you look at all of these free agency dominoes where things start to unravel and, like, the landscape of the league starts to shift. You know, it's it's the turmoil in Boston that then leads to AD kind of being the, the, the key chip that's available instead of Danny being able to suck him into the whole Boston situation. And then that kind of sets forth this whole, like, domino effect of things that have gone on. But that's my take on it. D. Wills, what's your take? What I would say is this, is that uh, I think you hit, you, hit on a, you hit it right on the head on a number of points. Part of the reason why I put it on a rundown, because I, I, there needs to be earlier intervention. And you, you mentioned that Brad is probably not uh, – Brad left the, the players police the locker room. That, that was kind of okay when you had Al and a bunch of youngins for the most part last year um, working that locker room. I think you can keep – when you add someone like Kyrie, uh, and they had to know that Kyrie came with something. Brad needed to insert himself earlier. And if Brad couldn't do it, and this is why I brought Danny in. Danny's been a coach. Danny's been a GM. Danny's been a top player. Danny has never been known as somebody to hold his tongue. And he's the one who could be – he's someone who could be confrontational. He's someone who could be confrontational and not um, – and get the respect because he's got chips. And I just felt like the, the intervention for them should have happened sooner rather than being clean up. That was my big thing with them, that they needed they, – that was something they should have – they were recognized it was happening early, but yet they didn't really intervene. And maybe would have ended up with the same result. But I think they could have been – they could have got their thumb a little bit more on on really getting with Kyrie early on. They were too much in that courtship with him in ways that I thought wasn't good for the team chemistry in the long run because it seemed like Kyrie was allowed to have his full run in the locker room in a way that they probably could have controlled a little bit more. So that was that was more of my thing with them. And then when Al Horford left, out of all the people, you're like, that was the last person you thought would leave. That's your lieutenant. He right. not only leaves, but he leaves and goes to your rival. Like in the in and that sent a different kind of message to me because Horford could have gone pretty much anywhere I think in the league, but he chose to go somebody who you who is a rival, who is someone you're gonna see again. And so it gave me some sense of that something else was going on there other than just Kyrie. Yeah. PAZ, you got any thoughts on that? Well, I think the the worst thing that happened to Danny Ainge's reputation in the Celtics was the Raptors won the championship because they had a legitimate chance to go after, and we're hearing stories, they had a real chance to get Ky, uh, Kawhi Leonard last summer. Um, they would have only had him on a one-year rental, just like Toronto, and they would have had to, you know, take the risk that he would have left. But they would have had to part it, part with one, like one or two of their young guys, and they didn't want to do it. But if the goal is to win a championship, you go after it, especially with the East being up, up for grabs with LeBron not being there for the first time, and you know, over a decade. So I think everything with the Kyrie situation uh, that you. Uh, you two just broke down, but also the Kawhi Leonard gaffe is is really making Danny look like man, you may have missed the bus a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and again, he was trying to play chess, and sometimes when you play chess, you lose, man. I mean, he was ho- he was he was holding out hope that he was going to get AD, and I think that was the biggest yeah. that he has had his eyes on, um, which is why he didn't go after Paul George super hard, which is why he didn't go after Kawhi super hard. 
he thought that having Kyrie there was going to help him lure AD. Then once the buzz got out that Kyrie was kind of like iffy on staying, it then it made the AD situation um, even more fragile. Um, and obviously, you know, clutch sports, you know, Rich Paul, who was kind of the uh, he's kind of the 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 kingmaker in all of this, uh, was behind the scenes pulling the strings, um, trying to get AD to LA, um, and that was his ultimate goal, and they they accomplished that goal. Um, Back to spinning that forward, because that's to me that's kind of where all of this starts, right? It starts with the with the with things falling apart in Boston. That was supposed to be a team that was supposed to compete for the Eastern Conference title. You know, people were predicting them as a sixty win team. Uh, Tatum was supposed to take another step. Um, Brown was supposed to take another step. Rozier was supposed to be solid. Um, things just didn't go that way. And you know, spin that forward to now to yesterday at six o'clock. You got Kyrie jumping to to uh, Brooklyn and shortly after the news comes out about KD uh, Devon you hit on kind of Kawhi and how uh, Kawhi going to Toronto really was like the to me that was the next phase of this story right that was the next like step in the evolution of like how we got to yesterday um, Kawhi goes to Toronto has a great season and leads into a championship over a Warriors team and in the process of that um KD ruptures his Achilles. Clay goes down with an ACL. Both of them are basically done for the larger parts of next season, um, which then kind of tears down the Warrior dynasty for the time being. Um, first off, before we get into kind of, again, as we kind of like track this all the way back, what were your thoughts on the finals? Because I didn't get a chance to really rap with y'all about the finals because, you know, my life is crazy having four kids and just – Everything that's going on right now, we got. I just got out of track practice with my kid. You know, picking up my kids from track practice. You know, they got basketball practice tomorrow. I got my own practice tomorrow, so you know how it be. I ain't gonna belabor all of that. Uh, um, but PAC, what were your thoughts on the finals, man? How'd you feel about how all of that went down? Um, just what revelations did you have? Kawhi is a beast. Kawhi is a beast. He's a dog. He's cool. Uh, for me, Kawhi put himself into the Allen Iverson category, the Michael Jordan category, the Kobe Bryant category, um, a cat that just can take over a game and will a team to the championship. My bad. I shouldn't include Kobe. I should not include Kobe in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was and it was fun kind of seeing the whole Toronto um, and and actually the whole country of Canada stand up. I got a little burned out with Drake, but uh, that's all right. Other than that, I you know, I enjoyed watching the finals. For me, it was the first time in eight or nine seasons when I didn't have a dog in a fight, especially me being a massive LeBron fan the last four years or the previous four years, being a Cavs fan, season ticket holder. Um, my I didn't get too many more gray hairs watching the finals this year. And actually, it gave me an opportunity to sit back and appreciate Golden State a little bit more. The previous four years, I would just get heartburned every time Golden State went on a run. So it was kind of cool just to see the way they play. It was very clear to me that they are a much – like they're pretty much unbeatable with KD. Um, we saw that the previous two seasons – 
and we saw them get old. We didn't see Livingston, uh, uh, Livingston set up, uh, step up. We didn't see Iguodala step up. And really their bench, which was such a big, big strength. I mean, you look at most uh, sprites a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, they just can get that production out of their seventh, eighth, ninth guy on the team that they had got the previous four seasons. Um, so for me, it was, I saw that the NBA had really caught up with the Warriors. And also injuries caught up with them too. Yeah, I second pretty much everything that you just kind of laid out. Um, the Warriors aged right before our eyes, and then the injuries happened. Um, and I agree. I think if KD is healthy, I still think it's probably a seven-game series um, with a healthy KD because I think Toronto was underratedly that good. Um, and I think, you know, the – the sum of the parts, the, the whole was greater than the sum of their parts, of the individual pieces outside of Kawhi. Um, but they worked together so well, and they covered up, and they and they all did everything that they needed to do within the context of that team to, to function at their highest levels. Um, and you could see that anytime somebody didn't step up, they lost. Like when, when Siakam didn't play well, they would lose. Um, if Lowry wasn't, you know, doing his part, they would lose. They were a very well-oiled machine, and they had a very small margin for error. Um, but, man, you're, you you dead on with your Kawhi take, man. Watching Kawhi down the stretch was like – it was like watching Otis Anderson from the New York Giants back in the day, man. They get a six-point lead in this fourth quarter. That's right. like, <laughs> it's like move the chain. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, he's just out there – He's just out there like, I'm like, man, this is like a 250-pound running back, man. And just give him the ball and just let him wear you down. <laughs> like, we up six? Oh, we're going to stay up six. We're going to stay up six. We might get up to 12. We're going to stay up six, though. We ain't getting under six. <laughs> I'm getting a bucket every possession. And just grinding on the Warriors, man. Um, that was fun to watch. Um, when I watched that, and I don't want to make this comparison flippantly, but Kawhi – from his demeanor to just like that killer, that was the closest I've seen to like Mike. Like in wow. that moments, it was just like, "Yo, dude is just like an assassin right now." Like yeah. <laughs> he's like the Terminator. <laughs> like he's just walking these cats down. And LeBron has had those moments, but LeBron has a different kind of flair and a different <laughs> style of play. And I'm talking stylistically, like Mike, not necessarily the outcome or the overall output of what was happening, but just like. I'm finna hit this mid-range two on you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And then I'm finna come to the rack and I'm finna finish. I'm finna dipsy do and finish. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it was just like over and over and over. Just yeah. like, give him the ball, ISO. Bam, bam, bam. Hit you with his shoulder. Hit you with his shoulder. Fade away. Bam. And it was just like, well, this dude, man. This dude is just like, he's surgical with it, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> right. How you want it? How you want it? Yeah. But then watching the Warriors kind of fall apart, it was, um, it was a sad ending um, to a, to a to a dynasty. Um, it was kind of like watching the Lannisters die under a, uh, <laughs> under the weight of their own castle. <laughs> Again, another love game with Thrones references. references. I love <laughs> it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you gotta I catch up with Game of Thrones, bro. I, 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 I yeah, can't man. do it, man. I can't do Join it. The rest but of I'm, the world, try. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. You ain't got I'm to. Try. You ain't got to. Well, I ain't hey, never watched we, Breaking we, Bad. We, so. we got Phil into the wire. I'm I'm going to do my Game of Thrones. I could probably just watch okay. it. Uh, you know, okay. uh, and then I'll come with my references. 
but I'm with it. You, you know, go. so for a wire reference, it's kind of like Omar getting killed by a kid. You yeah. know what I mean? It was just like, wow. that's how he going out? That's how this going to end? <laughs> yeah. like, it's going to end like this? Like, like, seriously, like when you watch, like when Clay went down with his ACL, I'm like, this is, just, this is, this is how this is going. Like, this is how the dynasty is going to end. Like, not with like another team, like coming in with just as much firepower and standing toe to toe with them, and they going blow for blow, punch for punch. You know, you thought Omar was gonna go out in a shootout in West, in, in the middle of a Baltimore street. Man, this kid, he got popped by an eleven year old. You know, buying some cigarettes at a corner store. You know what I mean? Right. That's not what you expected. And it's the same way Golden State went out, where it's kind of like, yo, man, dag. <laughs> I and and, it, and once I mean it was done. You knew it was done. You know, once Clay went down, and, and you know, I, I immediately, you know, I was like, nah, that's his ACL. He's not like when he came back out, I was like, oh. And then when he started moving, I was like, mm, nah, he ain't right. And I was like, yeah. I, was, I was looking at my, I was looking at my wife. I was like, mm, that's an ACL. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it sure enough was. So, what was your impressions, D? I, I mean, I, I would add on. What I, I just love the other storylines. You know, you know, being someone from the Midwest. You know, it was good to see someone like Fred Van Fleet, who we've had a chance to interview, you know, when he was at Wichita State. You know, Fred started out the first part of that playoffs, man. I was – and he was like oh for the world and uh, had the baby, uh, you know, uh, in the middle of the uh, Milwaukee series, and then he just went on a run. And to, to see him on a big stage and to, to remind you, you know, we look at Toronto and, you know, not having someone who was a lottery pick on that team and just, again, how teams – our teams could be built um, uh, a different ways and watching, you know, someone who's undrafted step up uh, was, was good to kind of watch that moment and watch it happen. Um, and then just watching Ka- Kawhi was just like slow walking. It was just, he was just slow walking people to a death. He was like, he never changed the way he was going and how those guys just kind of accepted his leadership and just kind of got in there with him. But, you know, watching people like Fred who came up big uh, on this stage was, you know, Reminds you what kind of talent that is exists in the NBA. Um, you know, when you have someone who's undrafted and was like the last person that they uh, selected on the roster. Um, you know, when he when he was drafted, he uh, he made the uh, made the team and and what he was contributing. So those storylines, in addition to obviously what happened to the the Warriors, was uh, was some of the things that got me excited. Yeah, and and as we kind of continue to like walk this this whole storyline forward. Um, you talked about the team building, and again, you right there. You reading the pick and roll just like I'm reading the pick and roll. You, like right. it is, it is the team building that Masai Ujiri committed to. That Danny Ainge had a different mind the way he wanted to build his, and Masai Ujiri had a different way how he wanted to build his, and he was able to capitalize on something. And I think what you have seen now is people kind of looking at that model and being like, okay, like we can, we can kind of do that, right? Um, we can kind of emulate what Toronto did. Um, and what Toronto did was they were really good for a long time. Um, and then when the opportunity struck to go to another level and get their hands on a superstar who would elevate that team to a, a higher plane, they went all in on it. Even if it was just for one year, they went all in on it. Um, and we've seen, like, we've always joked Toronto was like the Atlanta Hawks with Al Horford and Josh Smith and Joe Johnson and ISO Joe, Right. That team, though, they never got that superstar. That, like they were good, they were a good fifty-six, fifty-win, sixty-win team at one point for you know five or six seasons. 
um, and just really good, but they just never quite got that missing piece to get over that hump. Um, and Ujiri, <clears throat> excuse me, Ujiri really struck, and he he he, I mean he 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 shot his shot when it was time to shoot that shot, um, and it all worked out. Uh, you know, so that happens. You got the lottery in there as well, which was also a very big piece to kind of how all these dominoes fell. The lottery was huge. Um, because you had the Knicks trade Porzingis during the season with Knicks fans, man. It's I like I feel bad for y'all, but then I don't feel bad for y'all. That's right. Um, like that's what y'all be wanting. Y'all want them to be out there like that. <laughs> that's right. Like that's right, man. Y'all want them out there like that, talking about KD and talking about Kyrie and trade people that y'all need. <laughs> You know, thinking y'all finna get Zion, y'all think y'all finna get KD, y'all think y'all finna get Kyrie, and y'all ain't got none of them. But what y'all do have <laughs> is, a, is a decent core of young dudes to keep growing with. Like, they got some stuff in New York. They're just going to have to do it the regular way. Like, y'all y'all got to realize where y'all at in this world, man. <laughs> y'all That's is right. not. And we, like, y'all think y'all a 10 and y'all like a 3.5. You know, you can't come up in a club acting like a 10 when you a 3.5. <laughs> You expect the people to just roll up on you buying drinks, and it ain't going to work like that. It ain't going to work like that. It's not going to go down like that. Not tonight. <laughs> you know, you about to buy your first, you about to buy your first drink yourself. Just to look, hey, they look think first. they sell from good times, and they look more like Aunt Esther. <laughs> That's the Knicks, man. That is the Knicks, man. That's the Knicks. That's Come on, man. That's it. That yeah. ain't got about no drinks. Anessa got about all her own drinks. Right. <laughs> right. And, and so, oh, like, Knicks fans got to realize that, Thelma should be on some, uh, Thelma should be in everybody's all-time top ten. She really should be. <laughs> no doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. No doubt. And no, if you I don't agree. know who we talk yeah. about, talking about shame on you. Yep. Thelma, <laughs> good times. Google it. Yeah. Google. Hey, internet, man. Google it's forever. It's got everything on there. There's no reason to be ignorant <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> no reason. <laughs> you could find everything on the internet, dog. <laughs> but nah, so, you know, the Knicks trade Porzingis, and they were hoping to get the first pick in the draft. And they ain't go like that. <laughs> in the words of Marlo Stansfield, you want it one way, but it's the other way. But it's the other That's right. And, you know, what really was the kind of the key to the lottery was the Lakers getting a fourth pick. Um, the Lakers getting that fourth pick in that in the lottery really solidified and increased the value of the potential offer that they could give to New Orleans for Anthony Davis. In addition, New Orleans, knowing that they were going to have the first pick and being able to take Zion Williamson, totally probably changed their whole perspective on what they were looking for in a deal. Um, and what they were willing to settle for. Like, they knew they were getting a generational talent, what everybody perceives to be a generational talent at this point. Um, and so at that point, they were like, okay, we just need to get some good pieces to go around this dude. And we can get the number four pick. Um, and, you know, David Griffin, man, hats off to that. Joe. Oh, my God. The, the, the one yeah. thing I will say, man, there's a lot of dope GMs in the NBA, man, and they've been showing their butts off the last, like, three months, man. Cats have been wheeling and dealing and, and making some stuff happen. In ways, it's like, it's like it's a lot of smart run teams. More than it, I, in my in my opinion, it feels like there's more smart run teams than there have been in the past. And 
There's less stupid teams, but there's still some stupid teams out there that you can take advantage of <laughs> and get over on. And, you know, so then you got the AD trade. And, you know, Phil, I'm going to pass it to you because you're a LeBron fan. How are you feeling? How are you feeling when you found out about the AD trade? I was thrilled. I was thrilled because, yeah, so I was happy when right? AD got drafted. Okay. Yeah, I was happy when AD got dra- uh, got traded to the Lakers because LeBron, I mean, this this whole situation with the Lakers, and I have not been a lifetime uh, lifetime Lakers fan. I've just become a Lakers fan this year, just, just like I became a Miami Heat fan for those four years LeBron was in Miami. But the whole Magic Johnson thing and that press conference, oh, my goodness. That was uh, – <laughs> I don't – mercy. I like it. I don't think we were able to talk about that. That press conference was just – it literally felt like Magic left the meeting or had a conversation with somebody. Like, I don't know if Magic knew he was going to quit an hour before that press conference. I, anyway, it was a mess. Lakers well, let me let me give you my take on Magic before you go forward. Let me give you my take Come on, on Magic, with it. and I'm gonna give it back to you real quick. <laughs> yeah, because that 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 whole situation to me, I looked at that and I was like, see, this is how rich people say f this job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that's right. Like, and this is like I was breaking this down to a couple of my guys, and I was like, listen, man, we just saw Magic saying, I don't need this. <laughs> Magic Johnson, and we gotta, we gotta, we gotta understand who Magic Johnson is. Magic Johnson is one of the ten greatest basketball players ever. Aside from that, Irvin Magic Johnson is like one of the most notable human beings on this planet to have survived the HIV virus, right? And when Magic came out, I was just like, I just want to be happy again. I think Magic was on some like, yo, man, I didn't be AIDS. Why am I miserable? Why am I miserable every day? I don't even supposed to be. I'm not even supposed to be here. Like, why am I coming to work mad? I quit. <laughs> I'm done. Like, Rob, man, forget you. Jeannie, we can holler, I'll holler at you later because we like family. But the rest of y'all, man, y'all can go somewhere. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm on borrow time. I ain't got no time. To I want to go back to tweeting. I want to go back to kicking it. <laughs> I ain't here for none of this. Hey, he put Palenka on his bus, like didn't he? Did he put Polinka under the bus? Him under the bus. <laughs> Man, he kicked Polinka under the bus. Polinka might oh, deserve dude. to be under the bus, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Polinka might deserve to be under the bus. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that putting Polinka under the bus was the wrong thing to do. He might need to be under that bus. But Magic was definitely like a dude who was like, yo, I don't need this. Um, and y'all think I need this, but I don't need this. And I'm going to let y'all know how I don't need this. I'm going to quit and not tell nobody I'm going to quit. And y'all just have to read about it. <laughs> you know, imagine, like, you know, I haven't even talked to Jeannie yet, but I'm letting y'all know I'm stepping down. And everybody's like, wait, what? Say, say, you say you stepping, like, you're not going to work here no more. He's like, yeah, I'm just not going to work here no more. You know, I want to I want to be happy. I want to tweet. I want to, you know, I just want to go back to being happy. <laughs> He's like, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm wealthy. I don't really need this. I was doing y'all a favor. Right. So, you know, I, I'm kind of done with the whole situation. That was my take on Magic, man. I just, I found that so fascinating. <laughs> that was just super intriguing to me. Um, but I'm going to let you finish. Lakers, AD, yeah, you're, you were happy. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that AD 
went to the Lakers. Because here's the thing. The Lakers, had they struck out this summer completely, um, oh. that would have been a bad look. And they, I think the Lakers uh-huh. seriously would have run the risk of LeBron saying that he wanted out either this summer and I want I think the Lakers would have ran the risk of LeBron saying that he wants to leave at some point this summer or the upcoming season had they not got AD. So landing AD is massive for them because now you have LeBron, you have AD, just like Brooklyn has KD and Kyrie. That sets the table for them to bring in a third superstar if if the league still feels like that's what you need to be successful. With Toronto winning, maybe you don't need a, a super team with three to four stars. Maybe you just need two megastars a strong supporting cast, and you get it done. Yeah, and that's the kind of parable of Golden State situation, right? And when we, when we look at the team building framework and how people are kind of – how that's kind of playing out this summer in um, thinking that, like, okay, when you have these real top-heavy rosters, as long as everybody's healthy, you're good. But when you're so top-heavy, you lose one or even two of the, your top guys, and you're just not even close – to being able to compete at that level. Um, and, again, most teams are that way. Um, but I think that's what makes the Brooklyn situation appealing. That's what makes the Toronto situation appealing as far as a team-building framework. And then you look at teams like Utah. You look at teams like um, – who else has – Indiana. Um, teams like that who are just, like, good, right? They're just, like, good teams, and they got hardworking guys. Or the Clippers, right? They got good teams – a bunch of hardworking dudes, and they're one, like, legitimate star away from being able to compete at a really high level, right? And I think there's a whole tanking way of going about things, but I think there's this other team-building model that I think teams are getting hip to is that, like, yo, man, we just need to develop, get guys in, develop, have the right kind of coach, stick with a coach, keep developing guys, and win the opportunity, and keep developing guys so that when the opportunity strikes to get somebody, we got some people that people want on our roster, <laughs> You know what I mean? That we can maybe move, make a trade for, and that also a star would want to play with, right? Like, Brooklyn is not a team bereft of talent. Karis LeVert is a legit, legit B 2.5 NBA player. He's not a – he's somewhere in between a 2 and a 3 as far as, like, the pegging order. He ain't a 1. He ain't quite a 2, but he like that 2 – he's like a Chris Middleton, like a 2.5. Like, if that's your third best player, you are a really good team. Um, Jared Allen is a solid player. Spencer Dinwiddie is a nice guard. Um, Joe Harris is a good shooter, floor spacer. So they have all the good, like the makings of a really good team. They just didn't have a star. And smart guys like KD and Kyrie are going to notice that over, you know, like the nursery that the Knicks are running, where they got a bunch of young dudes who are still trying to figure out how to be NBA players. The Nets have developed guys and have guys who are at that point where they can contribute and prove when they can contribute at a, at a high level. And so, yeah, do you want to build your team by just getting, you know, whatever available superstars are there and then having a bench that is held together by duct tape and superglue, uh, which is kind of what the Warriors were. And, and that's a very stark contrast from where they have been, right? You had the strength in numbers era where they were kind of touting their depths and, you know, how they would just run you out of the gym when they first got together and how it evolved to this last year. And, again, it was kind of like, man, it's going to end like this. <laughs> Where what was once a strength is now a complete weakness, <laughs> a complete weakness. <laughs> um, so thinking about kind of where the Lakers are now with 
everything. What do you want them to do, PhD? I would like for them to take a page out of what worked in Miami and during LeBron's second uh, tour duty in Cleveland. Put some shooters around him. Put some complimentary pieces. Um, I don't know if they were able to get anybody from the draft. I believe they gave all their picks this year to New Orleans. But if you look at some of those Miami Heat teams, they didn't have a ton of like they had a lot of guys on veteran minimums, the Mike Millers, the Rashard Lewis's. Um, you know, they had guys that were just chasing a championship. So I think with the Lakers, if they can put a couple of shooters around LeBron, um, get a little bit of depth, you know, maybe not even bring in a third superstar right now. Bring in two or three quality players that can play with KD and LeBron. Um you know, I hate to say this, but even J.R. Smith, if, if we think J.R. Smith still has gas in the tank, if you look at what he did last season, I um, mean, outside of that game, oh, gosh, game one last year in the finals. I mean, J.R. Smith was a serviceable shooting guard on both ends of the court. So you can put those type of guys around. <laughs> you know, I'm really trying to stay focused, man, uh, because that was such a tough game for me last year. Uh, you know, I think the Lakers can be okay, especially with the West being more open. I mean, the Warriors, they made the move for D'Angelo um, from the Nets, but, you know, the Warriors are, if they can get a, if they can get home court advantage in the first round, that's going to be a huge um, surprise for the Warriors this coming season. So I think the West is going to be more open than it's been in the last five seasons. Yeah. I, 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 I'm I with you on that. Transitioning to talking about the Warriors, they go out, they sign D'Angelo Russell, and they trade Andre Iguodala. And he gets sent to the wall. <laughs> Andre gets sent to the wall. <laughs> he go on the breakfast club. And so from what I've heard, and I want to get your take on all of this, because I know you're an avid breakfast club listener too, D. Um, I want to get your take on this. So Andre goes on the breakfast club, and he's talking with Reckless about <laughs> going to play with tennis staff. Trying to sell a book. Trying to sell a book. Yeah, yeah. The sick man. Yeah, the sick man. And what it sounds like is that he was told that he was going to get traded prior to that interview, and so there was a lot of salt <laughs> in that interview. <laughs> like he was spitting a lot of salt in that interview because he was informed that he might get traded. Like they were shopping him and they were looking to uh, move him, and so. What are your thoughts on kind of how Golden State is trying to, like, reconfigure itself on the fly and stay in contention? And do you think it's going to work, D-Will? I, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting in the storyline, it wasn't what he said about the injuries. It was part of the interview where he talked about what happened to Mark Jackson. And this is mm-hmm. what I, I, I think is important is, you know, for, for those who didn't hear the interview, there was some, you know, Mark is very religious. There were some issues just about his views on lifestyle and one of the key owners, um, you know, is openly gay, uh, but they've been basically marketing other teams, blackball. So there, there was a, there, there's this reaction. And I think, you know, when Iggy went, when Iggy went all Iggy uh, on that show, and I listened to the entire interview, man, it was, if you haven't had a chance to get on YouTube, check it out. Great interview. But I mean, the way he was breaking it down was classic Iggy. I mean, it all made sense. Um, and he broke it down in a way 
way you describe the kind of pressure you under when you are an NBA star, particularly in a contributor. So he even framed it in a way I thought that was in some ways fair, but he was going in. And there, there's a lining about Golden State in terms of the vendetta piece that he let out. That's important to know. When you, when you push against something, you push against the family, that is something that they're going to have to wash that storyline. And then there was something else. I think people missed this. At the celebration last year, um, the GM Myers was kind of joking, but talked about KD kind of uh, kind of riding the coattail. And if you weren't paying attention, it was almost a throw-off line. But if you looked at KD's face when he said that, he didn't like that. You could see the uh, uneasiness. So there's some stuff happening underneath in Golden State that I think Iggy was beginning to bring out that they kind of had kept under wraps. That you, you, it's going to be interesting to see how other free agents and other folks react to that. Because Steph, uh, Steph I mean, Steph and, and, and Clay and Draymond, and Draymond, Draymond's going to be interesting. They're part of that family and that nucleus. And everybody else is kind of add on to that party. And, and how that storyline plays out is going to be interesting moving forward uh, with it. But there's some layers to this. And when Bob Myers did that stuff at the, the, the thing last year, I knew it was going to be a problem. And then you had, you had the fight between KD and, uh, and, 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 uh, and Green arguing. I mean, that stuff was built up over some other stuff, man. And it was just always this – there's something that they kind of kept on the wraps that Iggy did. Iggy kind of just pulled that scab off. And I knew he was going to go. But he's going to end up in L.A. from what I'm hearing. They sent him to the gulag. But like, like Iggy from the Midwest, he know how to put some snowshoes on. And he's going to make himself <laughs> – he's going to make his way to the – he's going to find a way to end up on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Before it's all said and done, he's going to be in L.A. And if you notice the interview, he said something about Le- LeBron is my boy. You know, I'm not going to, you know, he said some favorable things in that interview about LeBron and kind of talked about his relationship in reaction to this, this idea that we need to be cutthroat and not be able to support our brothers in these other elements. So he said some things about LeBron. I know he and LeBron had that kind of relationship. So don't be surprised he ends up in L.A. Oh, yeah, he, and he would be a great pickup for the Lakers. Now, the thing I want to uh, – given all of that that you just laid out and unpacked, do you think um, Snitch and Randy, uh, also known as D'Angelo Russell, is the right guy <laughs> to come into that? Draymond went in foster home kids. <laughs> oh, you like to say <laughs> Draymond might roll up on him at the press conference. Oh, I heard you be snitching out here. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how Saginaw, to go. Saginaw, Michigan. Saginaw, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the, and that, that, that's all of that. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is just a peculiar fit for me. And I feel like they felt like they had to make a move. Um, I mean, I don't know. From my perspective, like, the benefits, he could take some of the load off Steph. Because once it was kind of known that those other dudes were going to be out for the whole year, I was like, man, Steph ain't going to make it. Mm-hmm. Steph body no. can't take care of the squad, you know, for for 70 games, let alone the whole 82. I'm like, his, his ankles, again, like, it, it wasn't that long ago that dude's ankles was made out of paper for shit. Um, right. So, like, I was just like, ugh. But bringing in Russell – he can be on the ball. He's young. I mean, what is he, 23, 24? I mean, he still can go out there and give 
37, 38 minutes a night if they needed them to, um, while Steph and, you know, Clay is on the men. But Steph and Dre are kind of – and Draymond's in the contract here, so you know he's going to go ham. Um, he, he, that's one thing about a guy like Draymond. He's going to get his money. <laughs> like, yeah. he's going to show up to get that money. <laughs> well, I, I, like, he I will not like have a down man. year. I'm going to say it like this. They did, they made it with Swaggy P. They had they handled the year with sweat, and I think as long as they can keep the weed out of his pocket, and out of those bottles, he's gonna be all right. He's he gonna be out in the Bay Area, you know. But hey, he's uh, in Cali now. He's straight. He in Cali yeah, now. He's you know, straight. I mean, like it, it's whatever out there. Uh, 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 aside, I mean, as long as he's trying to get through TSA, short. I mean, as long as he's trying to get through TSA, that's just kind of stupid, though. Um, it, it, come on, man. That's right. <laughs> that he did me. do that. He did do yeah, that last year, didn't he? Oh my goodness! I forgot about that idiot. Wow! In a in a liquid bottle that you know they're gonna check anyway because it's a bottle right. they check liquid. Right. They gonna check He didn't put it. He didn't put it in a metal metal canister. He put it in a liquid bottle, and you know they're gonna check bottles anyway. So that didn't help me, but I'm trying to give him the benefit of that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, that dude young and dumb, man. Snitching Randy. Snitching Randy. That's what I call him. Snitching Randy. <laughs> I call him Snitching Randy. I was, I, I was watching this. I was like, man, Snitching Randy made the All-Star team. That's cool. Better not running nothing for the home kids. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Draymond going to make him empty his pockets every time he enters the room. So, every you know, time. that's going to go down. Hey, they going to have a phone check. They going to have a phone check. <laughs> At the door, <laughs> at the door, they got a little black box, man. Put your phone in this box, dude. You get it back at the end of practice. You get it back on your way out. You get it back on your way out. Yeah, yeah. So, free agency in general. What are some moves that y'all have been just like, yo, that was super smart, or like, I was really surprised by that. Like Philly is like, I mean, they just basically shuffled the whole deck one time yeah. for everybody, you know. Um, what were your thoughts on Philly uh, and how and, and how everything played out with Jimmy Butler? I was surprised wow. that Philly sent uh, Butler to the Heat. I was really surprised about that. Um, I, it seems like, I mean, they gave all that money to Tobias Harris, and Tobias Harris didn't even close out some of the playoff games. Um, and Jimmy Butler was like the glue for that team that was pretty close to knocking out Toronto. Like I thought, if you're gonna get like if you're gonna get one of those guys a max contract, I would give it to Jimmy Butler um, and not Tobias Harris. Yeah, I mean they were basically a six bounce fall away three pointer from the corner over seven foot two dude away from like you know playing in Eastern Conference Finals. So. Yeah. It's just interesting. I don't, and and maybe Jimmy wasn't. He was a better on-court fit than he was a cultural fit. Um, because I just, you're right. Like they're gonna have to figure out how to close games. Because Embiid knows, like as a, as a center, as a big man, you're not closing the games in the NBA with a big. Like that's just at least not a back to the basket big. Like that's just not a thing right now. So yeah, they're gonna have to figure or, some or, stuff out. Or you got to keep JJ Reddick. You can't let both of them go. Like you gotta find a way either if you if you know you're gonna let Butler roll, you gotta find a key to JJ Reddick because you don't know what you're gonna get uh, with any improvement with your youngins. You know you don't know if they're gonna step up, do the things they need to do in the off season. 
but you know you need to space the floor. But you can't let both Butler and Reddick, both those guys are tough. They bring something. You can't let both of them go. That's that's the part that surprised me, that they had to know at yeah. some point they're going to let him go, and then you're going to let Reddick go as well. I, I don't think that's a good move uh, to let to let uh, uh, both those guys get out of there with nothing. Yeah. They were at least able to flip Butler and then Josh Richardson, who is a young player that seems to be kind of on the uptick and has a proven track record of being a solid player. He ain't Jimmy Butler, but he's good. Um, like and he's a proven commodity that he can be, you know, a, a 15, 16 point contributor on a nightly basis on a on a good team. Um, and he can he can he can guard down. You know, he's a three, but he can guard twos and ones. Um, yeah. which I think will be helpful for them given like they don't really have a one, a, a one, one. I mean, they got Simmons, but he's six foot 10, 250 pounds. I don't know if he wants to be chasing <laughs> around Kimber, um or Kyrie. You know what I mean? When you think about just that division, you know, I'm, I'm not sure he's trying to be chasing around Kimber and Kyrie. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but I mean, that is a big team though. When you think about like what they've created, I mean, you're going 16 at your point, six, seven at the two, uh, Tobias is six eight six nine. Horford six ten. Horford finally gets to play power forward. I'm sure he's very happy about that. He's been wanting to be a power forward his whole career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure he thought that ship had sailed a long time ago, and now he's like, ah, I get to be a power forward um, and play next to MB. But that's a huge lineup. I mean, that is a huge lineup when you have one dude under six eight in your in your starting five, and that dude happens to be six seven. Um, in your potential starting five. That's that's an interesting way of going about it. And that's also something that I think people are kind of underestimating about the fall of the Warriors is that you might see a return to the traditional 4-5 combo, right, where teams start to play bigger because the Warriors kind of really forced everybody to think about how can we play smaller, how can we play smaller. The Draymond effect um, and that death lineup that they had really forced everybody to adjust to that. But I don't know if that's necessarily how you have to play nowadays, if you're not thinking about beating the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're thinking about Toronto, they're big. They're very big. You know what I mean? They, their front line, you know, is six – with Kawhi in it, six, seven, six, ten, seven foot with Gasol. You know, Pascal Siakam, six, nine, six, ten. So that's a pretty big team, even though Siakam's more of a uh, – he's a more of a slashing four. But – that's not a little team. Um, so I think, again, how people are constructing teams now with the Warriors kind of falling back to the pack and not being able to be the Warriors, you know, that we knew, you might see a bit of a, tra- uh, a return to some traditional roster formations where your four doesn't have to be a strong 6'7 dude. It can be another dude that's 6'10. You look at Indiana, who I like some of the moves they make, picking up Brogdon. Um, I don't yep. know if Brogdon's worth 20 mil, but I do think Brogdon is a really good fit next to a guy like Oladipo. Like, I think that's a really good backcourt pairing. Um, and then they have young Sabonis and Miles Turner. So you got a 7-1 dude and a 6-10 dude that you plan on starting and playing together at this point. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Now, Nate McMillan can be sometimes too old school to his detriment. Um, it, it ain't 94. <laughs> <laughs> they so I don't know how that big man parent gonna work, but he's gonna try it out, and it, it could yield some interesting results. Given that the pendulum has swung so far towards small ball, and now the like kings of small ball are not the kings anymore. There's an opening for people to rethink how they want to put their teams together because you ain't got to worry about beating the Warriors. 
Who else did you, uh, D. Wills, who else did you like moves that they made that you thought, man, those are really smart moves? You know, I like, I mean, I like uh, uh, what Portland did uh, in, in Portland and Utah. I think um, both those teams um, did well in some of the movements they had. But, you know, you think about Portland, they had they had uh, Kent Bazemore, um, and they also got uh, uh, Hassan Whiteside um, from Miami. Uh, then they got a sneaky one. We'll see how he pans out in the draft because he kind of fell. Is not there little. I think you know you got a young guy on the wing uh, fitting in uh, to that squad. And I thought that was a you know a nice move for them uh, as well. And then uh, I believe they kept they held on. You, you, you think about uh, uh, Nurkic coming back, um, and I think they held on to uh, Collins. So I think they they were able to retool, even though they lost uh, Seth Curry and some of the other. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, Aminu was uh, was lost. I felt I like the way where Portland kind of shifted a couple things, and I think they'll be strong moving in. And obviously Utah. I mean, with the trade getting Conley, um, and then uh, getting Boy, uh, um as well, and, and thinking about what they got going on. I mean, they're building a team that can defend. Got multiple pieces. They're gonna be tough. Um, you know, they might have. You know, they may be pushing for that best pack court in the league. Um, you know, they're quietly doing that silent killer type stuff on folks. And I think those two teams are teams to, to be reckoned with. And then Denver, I mean, just, you know, getting better by, you know, they don't get healthier. You know, their number one draft pick last year is going to be able to start playing this year. I think they got a steal late. I believe they got Bobo, who yeah. is talented, and they got time to kind of come into his own. Um, I think they got some pieces, plus what they did in free agency. You know, that West is going to be interesting with the, the stuff they did. And then you mentioned Indiana. I think Indiana, again, um, Played well last year. They're going to be, you know, um, I think it's going to be an upgrade here. But this year they're going to be tough. So, you know, I like I like a lot of teams. But that Portland, Utah, because of where they needed to go, um, I like some of the moves that they did. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and Portland, to, again, another example of a team kind of going bigger, right? Like yeah. getting rid of some of those smaller fours, Al Farouk Aminu, Mo Harkless, they let those dudes go. They bring in Hassan Whiteside. They already got Nurkic coming back. And you got Zach Collins, you know, how are you going to find minutes for those dudes unless you start playing them together, right? So that's just an interesting trend that I kind of see kind of as yeah. you watch. And with the Warriors, again, not being the Warriors and feeling like not you don't have to go through them, like you see kind of teams being like, we need to load up on bigs. So even Brooklyn, they got Jared Allen, they signed DeAndre Jordan, and that's the same dude, basically. I mean, <laughs> so you're not going to play both of them together really ever because – I mean, neither one. I mean, they both can't set ball screens and roll to the basket. <laughs> Maybe that's a whole new thing that I'm just not even ready to think about yet. Maybe they're going to try that out. Um, a double pick and roll where they both roll down to the, You got two divers. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but you, you kind of see that as a, as a bit of a trend, um, again, with some teams that, that are going bigger. Like I said, Boston's bigger. Even Milwaukee, getting both of the Lopez's. Um, right. Again, like, are they playing together? I don't know. You know, how that's going to work out? I mean, you already got Giannis there who's seven feet tall. So, yeah. you know, teams are kind of – it'll be interesting to see how that all evolves over the course of the season. Um, but that's something that's been interesting. Uh, a team that I've liked, kind of what they've done, obviously New Orleans. That's a That's a quick, quick roster turnaround. And like I said, Griff has been doing some masterful work as a GM, um, getting everything that he got from L.A. You now have a team with Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, 
J.J. Reddick, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Derek Favors, um, plus, like, you know, a bunch of draft picks, you know, coming coming down the pike. That's a great start. And that's that team could be an eight seed in the West this year. The West is going to be so tough. Sacramento made a lot of smart moves. Under the radar, low-key, really smart moves. They brought in some vets to go with those young guys that they have. They brought in Ariza, Dwayne Detman. Those are not moves that are going to make anybody's headlines. But for a team like them that was very close to making the playoffs last year um, with the with the very young core, bringing in some of those vets that can stabilize that locker room, keep everybody at a professional place, and have some playoff experience, um, that's really important for a team like that. Um, so, yeah, man, it, it, the West is going to be so deep. And you talk about Denver. All accounts are Michael Porter is about to they, – they're going to have to play him this year. He's that good. Um, and you add a guy like that who is that talented, if he's as talented as all the reports are coming out to a team that was already the two seed, quiet as kept, Denver might be the front runner in the West next year, um, depending upon how everything shakes out with the Lakers. If the Lakers get Kawhi, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> we just go like just close it back up. It's all good. Everything that everybody <laughs> did was nice. Um you would have three of the top five to six players in the league all on one roster. So yeah, man. But we had about our we had about our cap, man. Um it was great kicking it with y'all. I would love to keep this going. D Wills, you wanna sign us off, man? Yeah, again, I wanna say this. It's been good to have the fellas back in. Uh, y'all can catch all of uh, our stuff on uh, Real Sports Guys on RealSportsGuys.com. This is the big show, y'all. We back, back in business. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.